Welcome back, everybody. Today, I'm here with Heather. Heather owns a CBD company, so we're going to chat all about CBD. So, Heather, do you want to give yourself a quick little intro and tell us what you do and where you're from? Yeah, so I own, I'm the founder of a CBD business, Ashe Pure Naturals. We are based here in Charlotte, North Carolina. We actually have a, a focus on endurance athletes, professional athletes. We do like chiropractic, functional medicine. That's kind of where our niche is in that area there. Awesome. I'm glad you said uh, how it was pronounced because I've been trying to figure it out. I'm like, is it Asi, Ase? Like, I had no idea. <laughs> Ashe. So I always say like Tarjay, like Ashe. <laughs> like the bougie way to say Target. <laughs> Tarjay, Ashe. <laughs> nice. Where does that name come from? Does it have some sort of meaning or? Um... So we market a lot the power to make things happen. So it actually, that's what Ashe means. It means the power to make things happen. It's actually an African word and it's very similar to Amen or Namaste, but it's Ashe. So, and so it is. Okay. Interesting. That's super cool. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah it's good to know. Um, well, let's talk about how you got into endurance sports then, because, and why that's interesting to you. Cause I feel like there's every time I go to like, say like Whole Foods, natural grocers or something similar to that, there's a ton of CBD brands out there, but they're kind of all generic. So I guess to kind of like intro everything, how did you get into in endurance sports? Then we'll kind of touch on CBD after that. That's a good question. Well, I'm a veteran of running. Running has been my medicine. So it's just, and most of us runners can totally relate to that. It's just I'm a trail runner. I've been a trail runner since I started when I was in my thirties. I um, was highly medicated on prescription medication and was having a panic attack. And one day I just literally ran out the front door and I couldn't even run a mile. But when I got back, I felt way better. And so I never stopped. And I was, I'm 46 now. I was in my thirties then, like early thirties. And I just gradually increased and I'm a veteran of half marathons. And then last year, what year are we in? We're in, 20, in 2021, I started 75 hard program. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a, it's a mental toughness program. And basically you do two workouts a day. One of them has to be outside, a gallon of water a day, no cheat meals, um, 10 pages of reading like self-help and a progress pick. So I needed to challenge myself. I needed to, working out is easy for me because I've been doing it for so long. It's just part of my daily routine. So I needed to up it. And I've always wanted to do a full marathon. And I just was like, screw it. I'm just going to go for the ultra and just started training. I didn't know what I was doing. I've never wore a watch. I've never tracked any metrics at all other than distance. I just run and I know how far like distance wise. And really that's only because my phone like tracks it for me for distance. So I never wore a watch or any of that kind of stuff. And I did my first at the end of 2021 official 
but I had done one on my own, just went out one day and did it and accomplished it. And, um, and I'm totally hooked. I just have to learn how to train appropriately so I can recover and not get injured. Yeah. I feel like that's the battle. Cause I, like I, myself too, like I never really ran a road marathon. I got into running when I was in college and cause I just had friends that ran and stuff. And then I was like, I want to do a 50 K. So I jumped from a half marathon to a 50 K and I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, I'm just going to go run and eat food. I don't know. <laughs> and it all worked out and here I am today. So it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, so 50K is where I'm at right now, but I, I want to increase to a 50 miler for sure is my nice. next. Nice. You guys have some wonderful trails out there as far for, for running and riding and stuff. So I'm sure that'll be easy to find a fun race. Yes, yes, there's tons. They're here all the time. Nice. Well, then how did you get into CBD then? Because we'll talk in a second about how those all kind of crossed over, but it's like, I know CBD's kind of been on like, I don't know, on the radar, I guess, for a lot of people recently, especially in the sports community. So um, how did you get into CBD? So, well, there's a couple reasons. One, I've been, when I had mentioned that I was a pharmaceutical disaster, I was highly medicated. So I was on antidepressants, Valium, Adderall, sleeping pills, and I just kept getting more medication. And at first uh, it worked and then it didn't, and it became really bad and I became addictive and there was a lot of side effects and it was it, it was just an actual like I felt like I was in a chemical shit storm and so I came off of all of those and I would never recommend this to anybody else but I totally went cold turkey like when I decide I'm gonna do something I do it and I was like I just don't I don't want any of this medication it's it's making me really sick and so I started using cannabis and it is what helped me. It was part of the process that and running. So cannabis and running. So I used a ton of CBD for my anxiety. It helped me sleep. It was a, it was a very challenging transition for me and running and cannabis were the two things that supported me the most. And also my daughter is in a, a horseback rider. So she had an equestrian accident. And so because I loved cannabis so much, when she got a concussion, the neurologist had recommended using CBD as part of her recovery. And we had a hard time finding one that we trusted that also tasted really good. And she was, that was important to her. And so I was like, we can, we can do this. We can create something better that I trust that I know I can give to her or anybody. That's really so interesting. That, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. That's it. Yeah. No, I, just, I think it's really fascinating. Just not that I have any like real like research or data to back this up, but just the number of people I've spoken to that were kind of like, okay, I've been, I've been on prescription medications for so long and I realized something's wrong with that. So how can I go in a more natural path? And it seems like a lot of people go towards the THC CBD route. It was ginormous for me. It was huge. And, and, and look like on the kidneys and the liver, those pharmaceutical drugs are really bad. And when you use CBD or THC, not only is it natural, but it's, it's healthier. You, you don't get that damage on your kidney. I mean, it's not going to kill you. Yeah, let's then let's talk a little bit about like how you started the company then, because you were saying that like you were looking for something that tasted good and, and worked properly and stuff. So like did that just cause like this deep dive in you of like to get super obsessed with CBD and THC or like well, how was that or what was that process like? 
I, I guess, so I basically just decided I was going to do it. And then I had a lot to learn. So I started calling um, farmers and I would go, I went out to Colorado a few times. Like I would go to different farms and meet different farmers. I checked out manufacturing facilities. I had to do a lot of research on lab reporting. Um, so basically I just had to start the whole process. I didn't know anything just like running, like you just decide you're going to do something and you just kind of figure it out along the way. Um, and I ended up partnering with these awesome farmers out in Colorado. And prior to hemp, it was organic vegetation. And we did like soil testing. We, th there was so much education that was in, involved and the farmer would just sit down. So we're big, we are huge proponents of supporting American farmers. Obviously, there are opportunities for people to import hemp, at, you know, outside of the U.S. And we're, we're big U.S. farmer supporters. So we get all of our hemp from Colorado. We've partnered with those farmers there. And also the manufacturing facility is in Colorado as well. Colorado has just been superior in their hemp capacity and education. So they're, they're advanced and we're getting it out to the mass population. So we're in retail stores and we need um, their certifications, FDA certifications, GMP certifications and things like that, that were very important for us as we grow, um, as we intend to grow large. And so those were things that we had to look for as, as we figured it out along the way. There was that kind of a process to deal with all the legal stuff surrounding uh, marijuana and hemp. It was a lot. And I have a cannabis attorney that is um, in San Francisco. So everything's basically out West. There's just more experience to bring it to the East coast and be compliant and have a really premium because we're a premium brand. So to have a premium product like that, we, we just felt safer going and sourcing with people that were more educated. You need cannabis specific people. I've learned that the hard way, whether it's an attorney, a marketing, anything, it's like they need to know what they're doing when it comes to cannabis because the regulations, the shadow banning, all of that kind of stuff that goes along with it. Yeah, I imagine you can't just hire some like some lawyer off of a billboard or something you see on the long side of the highway, right? No, I mean, I've tried <laughs> not with the attorney. I got lucky from the first time and I, like I feel so grateful for our attorney, but like I have hired people ignorantly, not realizing. And now, I, you know, you learn hard lessons when you when you go in like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The lessons are even harder when it hits you financially, too. <laughs> Very. <laughs> oh yeah, I know those for sure. Yeah, well, let's talk then about um, like you were saying, like your your marijuana usage and then also CBD. So there's a, a difference between the two, as far as you're saying, right? Because obviously there's THC and CBD, and they're drastically different products, correct? Yes, very different. So when you are, I guess, a quick reference point. So marijuana is going to have. You have a marijuana plant and then you have a hemp plant. So a marijuana plant is gonna have a high THC content and a lower CBD content. And a hemp plant is going to have a high CBD content with a much lower concentration of THC. And as you get products out, you can remove all of the THC or you can keep it as a microdose. But to answer your question, 
THC is where you're going to get psychoactive, where you're going to feel high. And um, it actually works really good on like pain receptor sites. So we're big proponents of putting full spectrum, which means you have microdoses of THC or THC in our CBD products. And we do have a product that has no THC at all for people that are concerned about that or get tested. But CBD is not, it's not going to get you high. And some people will say it's not really psychoactive, but it is because it does change you. It helps you feel calmer and more relaxed, but I could drink a whole bottle of CBD that has no THC in it. And I might sleep, but I won't feel high at all. Would that just knock you out though? If you took like 10 grams of CBD? Oh yeah. I think you <laughs> feel super sleepy. <laughs> No, that's interesting. I didn't know that about the plants. Like I, I knew there were differences, but I didn't know it was that big of a difference. That's interesting. And to be like federally compliant with the, the farm bill, like the hemp farm bill, the 2018 hemp farm bill, it has to come from hemp in order for it to be compliant throughout the states, the CBD. Like if it comes from marijuana, it's not compliant. Oh, really? So if you went to like, say, just a straight up marijuana farm, you couldn't produce CBD from that legally and sell it in the United States? Not in Charlotte, not in North Carolina or okay. states that it's not legal. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense then. That makes a lot of sense. So then what was that like trying to like source it? You said you went to Colorado. Like, was there a reason why you didn't go to California or something? Yes, because California is more experienced in marijuana, like, and and not that they're more experienced, but that's more their specialty, I would say. And then Colorado specializes more in hemp and marijuana, but most there's more hemp farms in Colorado. Okay, interesting. Is that just simply because of like, I don't know, politics or social norms, or is it because of the environment? Do you, do you know anything about that? The environment is huge. The, yeah, the climate in Colorado is, is, is perfect for hemp. And so, and that's where people... Like in North Carolina, we don't have the same kind of climate as Colorado, obviously. And so it, it's, it's not an easy plant to grow. It's complicated for the farmers. And if it's hot, meaning the THC content's too high, you have these small farmers that will have to burn all their crops down and lose everything for the whole year or that season if they don't do it right or if, if the THC concentration's too high, which is really easy to do. So you have a lot of farmers that went into business and lost everything because their plants were too hot. So we didn't want that problem either, having product that was hot, high THC concentration. Yeah, because I'm, I'm assuming that would just kind of destroy your business then, right? Or put me in prison, yeah. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> no, we definitely don't want that. <laughs> no way. Okay, well, so then you were saying that like CBD isn't a... Um, isn't psychoactive, but it kind of, or like you said, it's, it's not necessarily psychoactive, but it is technically, right? Yeah. Like you so don't you get, get, yeah, yeah. Ahead, sorry. yeah, like you won't get high, but it does change the structure of your brain. Like it does cross the, the blood brain barrier and it causes, you know, we have receptor sites, so it causes, it'll help people sleep. It helps with anxiety anxiety. It will help with pain and inflammation, things like that. So technically it's still, you just don't get high. It's more psychotropic. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense then. So let's talk about performance and recovery. Cause I think at least from my perspective, I think of CBD as a way to enhance my recovery. And I've had it like in, in drops and capsules and also like topically, but just kind of like a general overview, like how does CBD help with athletic recovery? So it's awesome. Actually, we have a ton of athletes that use it. And um, basically we have pain receptor sites and it helps with inflammation and pain recovery. And so like even in uh, like a leave, a top, let's say it's just topical and you want to roll it on and get specific target, a specific area, whether it be your knees, your hips, your joints, wherever a leave come out with a topical because they're realizing people are looking for topicals because they're immediate. The problem with something like that is actually in a study, there were kittens that were dying from licking the leave. It's so toxic. So it's a, it's a natural way for us to get pain relief and anti-inflammatory support, whether it be topically or internally, it's still going to be a natural way of relieving and getting to those pain receptors and helping recovery. So for a professional athlete or any, an endurance athlete like us, we want, we need to recover as quick as possible so we can get back out to training without pain and inflammation. And it helps a ton with that. And it's natural. So people aren't popping a leave or Advil that are causing kidney damage or, or killing kittens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's worse, killing kittens or having kidney damage? Like, they're both pretty bad. <laughs> no, it's interesting because like I've, I, in the past like years ago, like I, just to be totally honest, I had a really poor diet, just kind of followed the normal things. And I'd be like, oh, I have like joint pain. So I'm going to take like Tylenol or whatever, or ibuprofen. And then like when I was in college, it was just normal for everybody just to pop ibuprofen all day, every day. And I was like, oh, this can't be that good for you. But there, I don't know. I just, I didn't know any research saying like anything contrary to that. It's fine. Cause it's over the counter and it's like safe. Right. And so, but then I started doing more research and it's like, oh crap, like this is bad for you. And then I, I also started putting two and two together. I'm like, man, this really hurts my stomach. Like if I were taking like a lot of ibuprofen, like I would just have like just massive amounts of stomach pain. And, and so it, it's interesting, I guess, to see like these differences as far as like a pharmaceutical goes, even one that's over the counter versus like CBD or THC. Yeah, it's way better. It's a way, way better solution. I am super picky about what I put in my body and ibuprofen works. And that's, you know, that's the reality. And people will take, you know, 800 milligrams. I know people who have put it in their, their chomps or their chews and would just, you know, do them during races, just take them down just like that, because it would help with the pain. And it, it breaks my heart because there's so there's CBD is a natural alternative. Even THC is amazing. I mean, the only problem with THC is, um, and I'm a THC user. I love to use THC for my runs. And so I use both, but, um, I, THC has been known to cause damage to the hippocampus part of the brain. And so for you, like THC users, it's really important that they do use CBD because there's, there's studies that have shown that CBD is a neurogenesis regenesis, and it actually repairs the damage that the THC causes. It actually reverses the damage. 
So it's uh, sometimes people will say to me, I want the real stuff. And I'm like, I do too, but like, we definitely want to be concerned about our brain health. And so CBD will reverse those damage, reverse the damage to the brain and there's studies to prove it. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Like I years ago had read a study and I, I have no idea where it was and I can't find it. And it really bothers me, but it was something about how like a higher dose of CBD and a lower dose of THC can really, really help like synergistically with um, recovery and sleep. But I can't find the study and it really bothers me because I want to find it so I can tell people about it. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of studies and, and that's the thing. And I think it, because for your brain health, CB, higher CBD concentration is way better. Even functional neurologists, because I talk to a lot of doctors and they'll carry our products. And the functional neurologists, most of the time, they don't even want THC at all. They only want CBD. And they want CBD in really high concentrations, like two or 300 milligram doses. And they'll use it for children with rare, like rare seizures or concussion recovery. And there's a FDA approved synthetic CBD that they use for this. It's called Epidiolex. And a lot of the functional neurologists prefer the natural CBD over the Epidiolex because it actually works better for their patients, which is super cool. Yeah, that's really cool. It's kind of like stick it to big pharma. I mean, like there's like mother nature created this awesome product and we can't replicate it in a reasonable way. <laughs> totally. No, that's super interesting. Um, I honestly didn't know that it affected brain health to that extent, nor did I know there was a synthetic CBD. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, so cool. Um, let's keep going on then. Um, so like, I guess my next question would be like taking CBD topically versus like ingesting it orally. Like is, you said like a topical is more immediate where like I'm assuming I'm making an assumption here that like ingesting it will take longer, but like, are there pros and cons, I guess, to both of them apart from the, the, the quickness that you feel it? Yes. So topical is immediate localized pain. So somebody with like a knee problem or a foot problem or plantar fasciitis or something very localized, that's a great alternative. Somebody with like fibromyalgia or like full body pain, if, if they're using it for pain, would need to take something internally. And so internal versus external, it really depends on what you have going on. If it's anxiety, obviously you're gonna need take, to take something internally. If it's headache related, sleep related, those are all internal. Topical is, is actually one of our best sellers, but it's more for localized pain. It's pain, it's a pain reliever. It's more for localized pain. Okay. Very specific target. Yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense because I don't know. It just, it just makes sense in my head. I have no no further comment besides that. It just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and internally, it's awesome because you're you. It's 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 good for the brain. It's anti-inflammatory. It's pain relieving. It's great for anxiety. So we have an endocannabinoid system in our body. So we actually make our own. So essentially we do get high on our own supply. Like, like your runner's high, it's an, an abundance of cannabinoids. It is not just endorphins. And they're now testing runners after a run. And 
it's an abundance of cannabinoids. So we actually produce our own. That's why we feel high because we activate our endocannabinoid system and we produce our version of THC and our version of CBD. And so we get depleted just like we do everything in, you know, like vitamins and so environmental toxins, food toxicity, all of the above stress. So we'll burn through our endocannabinoid system. So essentially all we're doing is replacing something that our body makes with an endogenous cannabinoid. Oh, that's interesting. So are, are there any things you can do to like support that process? Like as far as diet or exercise or anything, or is that just kind of like, let's hope it works? Meaning to make your own? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. So diet and exercise definitely work. Um, running is huge. That's why people love to run. Most runners like cannabis or CBD, even if they don't like THC, they usually like CBD because we like that feeling in our body. Like that runner's high that we get is our body producing. So any type of exercise, sun exposure, the natural things that we would think about that would help our natural health. So in nutrition, water intake, all of those things that most of our country do not do. Yeah, it's kind of sad to think about that, just how like how much happier people could be if they would just focus a little bit on diet and exercise and just getting sunlight. Like sunlight's such an important thing. And we're always slapping on sunscreen and wearing full clothing everywhere we go. And it, I don't know, it's, it's kind of sad. That's another topic, I guess, for another day, but I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it. <laughs> Me too. I could go on and on about the sunscreen scam, but yeah. <laughs> um, well, how does it work? Because I feel like for years and years and years, like, I don't know, I grew up in a very small conservative town. It was like, like marijuana and THC, anything was very frowned upon. And then now it's becoming more publicly accepted. Like, obviously, like I live in Arizona, like there's dispensaries, Nevada, where I grew up, dispensaries also. And even like in Utah, which is a a very conservative place it's slowly becoming more legal and accepted but like how does that relate to sports because you were saying initially that you have a lot of athletes like professional athletes that are using your products like are professional athletes say like in the nfl able to use cbd and thc and like are there repercussions to that yes so now they are allowed to and these are these are newer laws that they can do so a lot of them, like even NFL players are using CBD as part of their concussion recovery therapy and their, and even at the end of the day, if they want to relax, if you look at it from just a, a pure health standpoint, if, if they need to wind down at the end of the day and they need to drink a bottle of wine or a few beers, their recovery time for the next day is going to drag. Whereas if they're going to use any form of cannabis, they're going to sleep better. It's going to be anti-inflammatory. It's actually healthy for them. And they're going to bounce back the next day feeling great. And so it, it's just almost like it's common sense. Like these plants just work better for the body and recovery. So a lot of athletes are turning to using cannabis as part of their recovery process. It's actually really cool. And yeah, way healthy. <laughs> yeah, definitely way better for you than like throwing back a bunch of like alcohol every night, which is just a straight up poison. That's all it is. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And it's, I don't know, like, I guess 
it's just interesting, I guess, to see like the journey um, that people have taken with it. Cause I myself was kind of the same way. Like I was never really like, oh, it's the worst thing on the planet, but I was also kind of like, I don't want to touch it. But then I started with some CBD and I was like, oh, well, like I'm sleeping better. And I used to get like leg cramps at night. So like increasing like my sodium intake and stuff, but along with CBD was really kind of like the thing that really pushed me over the edge to like not have those leg cramps. Pushing over the edge sounds negative, but like, I guess like kind of remove that whatever was going on. And now I'm able to sleep a lot better using that. And, and THC is great in that regard too, because you don't wake up feeling hungover. You just like, you're just ready to go for the day versus like alcohol. If you have a couple of drinks, like you're saying, like you're just, your body's wrecked. It's, it's going to dehydrate you. It's poison. And you just, you just feel like garbage the next day, no matter what, no matter what people say, like you're not going to perform optimally, like either mentally or physically, right? A hundred percent. No, alcohol actually completely wipes out your gut microbiome. And so the, you, your neurotransmitters to your brain. So your mental health, all of those things, um, not just from a standpoint of we THC actually activates more of the pain receptor sites too. So it's, it's pretty amazing actually how it works. It was demonized for a long time. And I think it was done that way intentionally because it makes us less dependent on other forms of medication. Yeah, 100%. Like, I don't know if you ever listened to, I know, I feel like everyone does, but like Joe Rogan, um, <laughs> he's just obviously like the most popular podcast in the country, but um. He had a, an archaeologist on, his name is Graham Hancock. I don't know if you know much about him. Um, he's just an amazing guy. I'm into archaeology as well. Like, not like, I'm not an expert by any means, but I find it really fascinating. And he was on the show one time and they were talking about, um, like one, like just alcohol in, in general, but then also um, cannabinoids and um, like psilocybin and stuff. And I thought it was really interesting how like historically, like almost every culture in the world that we know of has used these to some extent. And then suddenly in the United States, it's like, oh, it's really frowned upon and illegal to use these substances that we've always used as humans, either for religious purposes or, or whatever. And suddenly it's like, no, like, don't do that. And they were just talking about how it's kind of a means of control. Like, you don't want people to open up their brains because then they're going to start like thinking freely for themselves versus just falling in line and stuff. And like, I don't want to get too like conspiracy theory or whatever, because I'm sure people think that already about me, but I just thought it was a really fascinating way to look at it. It's like, just because it's like a mushroom doesn't mean it's bad. Like it could have very positive effects on your life. Yeah. And the, like MAPS is actually doing it. Are you familiar with MAPS, M-A-P-S? No, the what's MAPS? Psilocybin. So they're doing psilocybin studies at um, like Johns Hopkins University, like big universities. And people are curing massive PTSD with like a few sessions of pretty macro doses of psilocybin. So it, the studies are, are psilocybin. So the studies are there. Plant medicine works. Does it, do we need to study things and not going like totally ignorantly? Yes. But like, if we understand dosing and we have a support system, it's, it's, pretty amazing how it helped. I mean, these there's, we're up against pharmaceutical drugs and some of the pharmaceutical companies are trying to actually patent psilocybin, which is fascinating. That's super interesting. Like how are they able, or how are they able to patent something that's naturally occurring? 
like by making synthetics or are they trying to like patent the actual organic material? I don't know all the details, but it's definitely, I listened to a pod, Aubrey Marcus's podcast and he had somebody on there talking about it. Like, will the shamans still be able to, to conduct ceremonies? And there's some concern, but it's a reality that might, it's probably going to happen. And I don't know if it's synthetic, but I don't feel like it is. And I don't know how because they can't do it with cannabis. So I actually don't know all of the details around that. Interesting. Would you mind sending me that podcast when you get a second? Yes. I'd love to listen to that. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, it's also interesting too, I think in society where like alcohol and even more so in the endurance community, but alcohol is so prevalent. Like we'll, we'll go out for a run and drink afterwards, or there's a lot of people do like group runs where they just kind of like bar hop and run. And it's so interesting because alcohol is obviously very, like, has a lot of negative consequences, but as a society, we've kind of accepted it as like a normal thing. Like you can just go buy beer at a gas station, at a grocery store, like wherever. But then it's like these other substances are like taboo for some reason. And it's, it's really interesting to me, I guess, how society has kind of made this one okay, even though it has very negative problems that, uh, that are associated with it. Whereas these ones are bad, even though there's a, actually probably a lot of health benefits to them. It's really fascinating because alcohol, like think about when you turn 21, what do you do? What's the first thing you do? You go out and you get sloshed, completely hammered. And like, that's part of our society. Alcohol is, if you don't drink, people think you're weird. Like, oh, what do you mean you're, you're not going to drink? Not most of, not the people that I hang out with, but it's pretty much a norm to, for people to question you when you don't want to drink alcohol. And when you want to do cannabis, now it's more acceptable, but it used to be like, you're the drug addict. And it's, it, it's, it is pretty fascinating because I think it's a mass marketing that's done intentionally to keep us smaller because like we know, alcohol is just pure poison. It's really bad for, for our organs. It's bad for our gut health. It's bad for our mental health. You have there's people that have angry issues. It's definitely a gateway drug. Alcohol is more of a gateway drug to other drugs or checking out of reality. And a detox off of alcohol, oh my God. Like if you go into the emergency room because you've had too much cannabis, they're just gonna tell you to calm down that you have to just kind of wait it out. There's no protocol. But if you go into the hospital because you've had an alcohol overdose, they're going to pump your stomach and you might die. Like you're not going to die from a cannabis overdose. You might feel like you're going to die, but you're not going to die. Like I haven't heard of anybody dying from cannabis, but I know alcohol and there are protocols in the hospitals that are for that. It breaks my heart because it's terrible for you. Yeah, totally. And if you just look at like your body's natural reaction to alcohol, like if you get super hammered, your body's going to try to get rid of that substance as fast as it can, which is why you vomit. Right. But like, if you, I don't know if you smoke, I'll try to get super baked. Like, yeah, like you're saying, you're going to be very sluggish and lethargic, but you're probably not going to die unless maybe there's some underlying issue there. And I'm not saying like, go out and just get like, eat every edible you can find and smoke every joint you can find by any means. But I'm just saying like, kind of just reiterating what you were saying. It's like, you're probably not going to have any serious repercussions versus like with alcohol. If you drank like a 12 pack and a bottle of whiskey or something like you're going to, you're gonna have major issues. 
physical. Now you might go into like psychosis or something like that. If you do too much cannabis, there definitely has to be a responsible use, but yeah, yeah. I'll with you on that. Yeah. I think we should clarify here for sure. Like responsibility is, is very important when it comes to any sort of substance use and that even just for food in general as well, like, like sugar, whatever you're eating, like be responsible with it. And if you're going to consume cannabis, be responsible with it. And I guess if you're going to consume alcohol, I'm hundred percent against it, but be responsible, I guess, like live your life. <laughs> 100%. Yes. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about then, like we already talked about brain health, which I think is super fascinating. Um, but let's talk about like a protocol for athletes. Like if you were, I don't know if you're able to like consult somebody, I guess, to a certain extent on like CBD usage, um, and say they, they run marathons or 50 Ks or something like what would like your protocol be for them as far as like an all around thing of like sleep, pain management, um, et cetera? Yeah, that's a great question. I always recommend both. So topically and internally. So athletes would want to use it internally and it depends on how much pain they're, they are in, how much sleep they're not getting. So dosage matters and it depends on each person. So it's kind of like, It, but somebody might need 20,000 milligrams of vitamin D, whereas somebody else might only need 5,000 milligrams of vitamin D, just as kind of a reference. Whereas like with cannabis or CBD specifically, somebody might need a, a 30 or 60 milligram dose where somebody else might need hundred milligrams internally which is totally fine. And it might be once or twice a day. So for maybe an extreme athlete, they may need to take a hundred milligrams twice a day, maybe, you know, upwards of the higher milligrams of the CBD with lo with no THC or very low THC. Okay. And, and then okay. Yeah. And so I guess by ingesting it, it's going to help with pain, but then also with sleep, which will all consequently help with recovery. Is that what you're saying? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, obviously we need to sleep to recover. That's where we recover the most is, is sleep. So if athletes aren't sleeping, it's awesome. And actually a microdose of THC added in there is really good for sleep. Yeah. And that's actually really interesting thinking about it too. Cause like, I feel like a lot of people will be like, Oh, well, I, I drink so I can sleep. Like I can't sleep at night. So I'm going to have a couple beers or a glass of wine or something, but like the, all the data show that like you may fall asleep faster, but your sleep is very poor and you're not actually recovering as well versus with CBD, like you're actually able to sleep and recover, which is just amazing. Yeah. You're not drinking poison before bed. You're actually taking a supplement that our body makes. Like we don't have a ibuprofen system or a Zoloft okay. system or we have an endocannabinoid system that our body makes. So we're essentially just feeding our body something that we make that is depleted. So it's, we're, yeah, do you want poison or do you want a natural substance of something your body actually already makes? That's a, a, a plant derivative of that. Yeah, no, to me, it makes sense in my head. Um, let's talk about the future because like, like we mentioned in the beginning, like all the loops that you had are the, whatever loopholes, what, that's not the right word. All the um, issues you had to go through to like start your company and all this stuff. But like, and like we've mentioned multiple times so far, it's like 
everything's becoming more prevalent. It's more socially acceptable now to like smoke weed or um, consume it in any way, I guess. And CBD is obviously way more acceptable. But where do you see the future going with it? Because there's a lot more research going into it now. And that's kind of like also leading the way or opening pathways to like, like we were talking about psilocybin and these other things. Like, so where do, I guess the question is like, where do you see the future research going and societal um, changes? So it I, there's a ton of research that's going on right now. Um, a lot of people are doing them. Actually, oh, less, more research is outside of the US than actually inside the US. Like Jerusalem's a big place that does a lot of research. And so the research is there. It just depends on who's putting it out there, how big the research is. We can't really compete with big pharma and the research that they put out that's targeted for that. But there's a lot of research we're growing. I mean, some companies like really large CBD companies that have been around for over a decade are doing, I mean, if you wanna talk about figures because it'll give an idea of how many people it's supporting, but uh, you know, upwards to 80 or 90 million. And so there's a huge market for it in the US and that's just one company. Children with autism use it. So there's a lot of studies on that for the brain health. So it's helping a lot of children with their communication. It's helping children with their emotional stability. It's helping people with depression, anxiety. And so it depends on who's using it and for what. But the fact that chiropractors and functional medicine doctors that are more interesting in getting to the root cause and helping people in natural ways as opposed to masking them are on board is huge. It's really big. Why is there so much research going on in, in Jerusalem? I guess that's Israel, because like I, I don't I know very little about Israel as a country, but I assume it's very conservative as far as like Judaism and everything, right? There was a doctor there that did a lot of research on the endocannabinoid system. Italy's another one that does a lot of research on the endocannabinoid system because I don't know why they just do more research. Maybe they, I don't know why. That's just where a lot of the research comes from. They do plant like uh, plant stem cells and things like that over in Italy. So they also do a lot of on the endocannabinoid system and a lot of research on in, is done in Italy and Jerusalem. And I can send you some of the studies, which would be interesting. Yeah, if you could um, send those over, that'd be awesome. I'd love to read through them. Yeah, definitely. And we have bloggers that do a lot of writing, that do a lot of research, and we'll, we'll point it back. Like on our website, we definitely have um, some, some, some direct links to where the research was done and who it was done. Like a lot of the research right now is done on mice and animals, not so as much are done on people right now. And that's where some of the hesitation with some people come. But anecdotally, the research is there. I mean, people are speaking. Interesting. So do you feel like, or do you think that maybe in the future, I guess we get more and more data sets that they'll we'll find out that maybe there are negative consequences to, to cannabis use, whether that's CBD or THC or any of the other derivatives? Definitely, probably yes with THC. With CBD, I don't really see anything yet that's, that's looking negative. There's, 
not yet. Like po possibly anything's open for, I mean, I'm open to anything. I mean, certainly, I mean, some people are going to be allergic to it. That's a negative consequence. Mm -hmm. And so it depends on what people are using it for. I've had, I've had people have allergic reactions to it. Um, I had, that was the only negative thing that I've heard so far is some people are allergic to the hemp plant, which is interesting. Yeah, that is pretty fascinating. Like, I wonder like what the rates of like, like the allergen rate, I guess that's the way to say it will be like in the future, once it becomes more widespread, like I, I doubt it's ever going to be like peanut butter or something, but like, I'm, I'm just kind of curious about like what it could be potentially. And like, maybe if, maybe you couldn't ingest it, but maybe you could put it on your skin or vice versa or something like, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of just, just talking out loud, I guess. It, well, the other thing is with any supplement that we take, we are processing it while while it's not as bad for us as Advil or anything like that, we still do have to process it through our liver, kidney, and stomach. And so if we're constantly taking a bunch of supplements, which I do, I do think that, you know, there are side effects to that for sure on the body. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I totally agree, but I do think it's fascinating though, historically how like humans have used like substances like this for so long. And like, even like tobacco, for example, like, like we all know that like smoking can cause lung cancer, but like, like a lot of tribes and like cultures historically would like use it only for ceremonial purposes because it does have an effect on the brain, like the nicotine effect. And like nicotine is like a really powerful nootropic and it can become very addictive, but if you use it in an appropriate way, it can be very good for your brain health and for focus and certain things. And I'm not advocating for smoking, like, uh, tobacco, by the way, but I'm just saying like historically it's been used for a lot of different things. And, um, I kind of feel like CBD and uh, THC can be like pretty similar, I guess. Yes, I totally agree. I've read some studies about tobacco and it, it, it could be great for focus and concentration and energy. And just, I think nicotine was so bad because it was, it was made not as a raw tobacco source it was processed in chemical plants and they put chemicals in them to make them even more addictive than the tobacco just alone in, in and of itself and while tobacco is definitely addictive and would need to be done responsibly there are definitely some benefits to it i've i've read that and i know about that and um but i think if you look at the cigarettes that people are smoking in tribes that's full that's straight up tobacco those are not chemical ridden cigarettes that most people are smoking which is probably what's causing more of the cancer i would be curious to see if people that smoke straight tobacco are getting cancer or if it's the people that are smoking synthetic cigarettes that would be a really fascinating study but i don't know how you would do that like nowadays ethically because <laughs> i'm right. sure you're very frowned upon but it's like if you could have like <laughs> like a group of people smoke like whatever Marlboros for 10 years and then just smoke straight tobacco for 10 years and see the differences in cancer. That'd be really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's probably not going to happen ever. <laughs> but I'm on this, I'm on the same page as you, I guess is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Like, um, well, to wrap up then, um, now that we're getting off topic on the tobacco and other things, um, <laughs> is there anything you'd like to say about like CBD or um, THC use in general? something that we didn't talk about? 
I think we hit pretty much everything. I'm a huge advocate for it. It's just, it's been my medicine. It's helped me. And I'm not in any way telling anybody to replace cannabis, replace pharmaceuticals with cannabis or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just simply sharing my story and what worked for me and being an advocate for truth around my story. And so I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah, for sure. And I think just a kind of like a, not caveat, but whatever, just kind of cap this off. It's like, you're going to try anything, no matter what it is, like be responsible about it and see how your body's going to react. Like don't go and like take a mega dose of something, no matter what that is, like kind of like ease your way into it and see, see how your body reacts. And that's with, with food or anything, like just, just be responsible and take some responsibility. Yeah. And always start slow. Like don't go dive in so deep, like just maybe start with a microdose and slowly increase and see how you react to it. Yeah, definitely. And that's definitely how I started doing it as well. And I was like, okay, like my body can handle this. It reacts well. And I kind of know like my, like my proper dosing now for whatever I'm doing in the day. And so that's very good advice. Cool. Um, well, thanks Heather. That was fun to chat. Um, I learned a lot. Like I, I don't know, like starting CBD companies, it sounds like like it's pretty intense right now legally to, to get that done, but it's cool you guys are able to do that and create something that's high quality and something that you find value in that's helpful to people and as far as their health goes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I feel honored. Yeah, for sure. And um, we'll have to chat soon.